So I want to know, what is your favorite sad song? Anybody got one? Shout it out. Sad song. Anybody got a sad song? Huh? Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Anybody else? What about sad movie? You're not you. Oh, the no. The walks remember. We were talking about that the other day. The one that... Yeah, the one that came up at, at our family dinner table was The Fault in Our Stars. Anybody ever seen that one? So sad. So sad. So sad. It made Jamaica mad, but it's sad. All right. Um, so, or have you read a sad book? Anybody like sad books? No. So, we had this conversation at our dinner table tonight that um, my, my daughter, my one daughter was like, I like sad books and it's your fault because we read The Velveteen Rabbit as a child. <laughs> And like, I never thought of that as a sad book, but now that I'm thinking about it, it is quite a sad book. And I think they came to a place where they were like, that was such a sweet story, but it was sad. And so then um, we were talking about sad stories at the dinner table, which is weird, weird topic, but it connects with what we're talking about tonight. Because tonight we're gonna look at the book of Lamentations. And so I recently spent some time studying through the book of Lamentations. And if you're like my son, when he was like, what are you reading in the Bible, Mom? Because sometimes they come downstairs and I'm just like sitting there reading the Bible. And I was like, well, I'm studying Lamentations right now. And he said, why? <laughs> my son has read through the Bible. And so he knows what Lamentation is. And he's like, why would you spend extra time there? <laughs> like, it's kind of sad. Um, so he's like, why would you do that? Um, it's it's kind of the one of those Bible books known for being depressing, and so he's like, why would you want to spend extended time in this book? But like all things that we find in Scripture, it is there for a reason, and we can all occasionally understand being in the mood to listen to a sad song or watch a sad movie, or if you're a drain, apparently read a sad book. And Lamentations is like the sad poetry book or song that we have in Scripture. So as I said a few weeks ago, it's been a hard few years, and I was really struggling to connect with God in prayer in the middle of the hard. So after studying Psalms, which we talked about a few weeks ago, I had a friend suggest to me a book that basically walks through the book of Lamentations, exploring lament as a form of prayer. And I found that book super helpful, like super helpful, the fact that there is like this interesting little book in the Bible that can inform our prayers during the really hard times. So if you don't have a good background for the book of Lamentations, like maybe you don't have any experience with it, maybe you've not read it before, it's a poetic book that follows the book of Jeremiah. And it's traditionally thought that Jeremiah also is the author of this book. And this book, it centers on lamenting the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. So basically, Jeremiah had prophesied to the people that if they didn't repent and turn from their sins, the city would be destroyed. And then the people didn't repent and turn from their sins, so the city was destroyed. And so Jeremiah prophesied this, fully trusting that God is faithful to his word. And then Jeremiah saw the thing that he prophesied fulfilled. And this is him crying out to God about it, because even though he knew that, that God was moving and that this was a thing that might happen, he was really sad to see it happen. These were his people. This was his city. This was his temple where he worshipped. 
And so this is him struggling to pay, pray through all of that. And, you know, sometimes it's an uncomfortable book for us because as humans, we don't like to rehearse our pain. Like really a lot of times people are like, how are you? And like you might have just failed a test or had the worst day ever. You're like, fine, right? Like, like we don't like to put it out there. And sometimes we're really uncomfortable with other people in their pain, which we've talked about a little bit this semester in some of our messages. Like we're uncomfortable when somebody else is in pain. So we're like, they're there, it'll be fine. And like we want to turn to like a more comforting, happier thing. And so we get really uncomfortable when we find ourselves in a book in the Bible that is basically this man just rehearsing his pain before the Lord. But also sometimes when we're in pain, we struggle to pray through it. So I find it a bit comforting that God knew that we would be like this, that we'd struggle with pain and we'd struggle to face our pain and deal with it and pray through it. So he provided not only some of the Psalms, but an entire book that would help us learn to pray through our pain in scripture. So now I'm going to go ahead and give you an outline. This is for you note takers, but it's also like just helpful so we can, we can see where we're going in our talk tonight. That way you can be looking for these as we go through the book of Lamentations and talking about it and what it looks like to read Jeremiah's words of lament. So the pattern we see for lament in the book of Lamentations, there's five things, right? The first is keep turning to prayer. Keep turning to prayer. The second is bring your complaints. The third is choose to trust. The fourth is search our hearts. And fifth, ask boldly. And truly, we're going to focus the most on bringing your complaints and choosing to trust, but I want us to see this whole pattern because this is, this is kind of basically like if you were to break down this book, this is what we, we get from it. So the first point is keep turning to prayer. Now, this is taken a bit for granted in the book of Lamentations, right? Because at no point is he like, turn to prayer or I turn to prayer. But we know Jeremiah has turned to prayer because the book exists and it is a prayer. And it's important for us to note this part because part of what is most important to remember when it comes to praying through the hardest moments of our lives is that we just need to keep showing up. We need to keep at it. We need to keep trying. Even on the days when it feels like your words are bouncing off the ceiling, keep reaching out to God in prayer and be tenacious. We just keep showing up. If we don't keep showing up, we're not going to connect with God, right? But if we keep showing up, then we are coming to the place where God can meet us and begin to move and begin to help us through our pain. So just turn to God in prayer. Or if you want to put a shorter, show up. Just show up in prayer, right? So the second point is bring your complaints. And this is really where the book of Lamentations starts. Lamentations 1.1 says, How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow she has become. She was great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. So now not only can we tell straight away that Jeremiah is in distress at the opening of this book, but I think it's really important for us to look at the very first word of this book. Because in Hebrew, if we were to open this book, the very first word isn't Lamentations. Like the title of the book isn't Lamentations. The title of the book in Hebrew is How. Right? And like literally how. So it's as if Jeremiah is sitting down 
and he's recollecting everything that's happened and he just has this honest moment of just being completely overcome and so he's just sitting before the Lord and the very first word of this prayer is just how? And like have you guys ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation that like it's just so overwhelming and so much like whether it's it's bad or good or weird or whatever it's just so much that you're just kind of like how did I get here, right? This is this is where this book starts. So if you, you're having a moment like that, this is the book for you, right? And if you find yourself later in life having a moment like that, this is the book for you. Um, and I'm going to share a story about that because I think we've all had those how do we get there moments. As I was thinking about this, the most recent one I had that I just was like absolutely baffled no words. As, as some of you guys know, I coach track and cross country. I really like it. It's a fun thing. It's like my mom job because uh, two of my kids run and so I get to coach them and their friends at their school and stuff and so really enjoy it. But a few years ago, my son was in his very first high school meet, right, for cross country. The very first high school meet he's ever done. And so I'm coaching the girls. The girls run first because the guys are gentlemen or want to wait until it's not as hot outside. But we'll say they're gentlemen. And so I have one of my girls running the race, and so I was like, with with the guys, they're heading to the start line, because the girls are about to start. I go hug him, pray for him, I'm like have a great race. And I jog down to the finish line, where my runner is about to finish. And I'm just thinking like, I'm gonna cheer her on, I'm gonna see her finish, then I'm gonna see my son run his very first high school race. Super excited about it, super pumped, he's pumped. We're really excited about it. Okay, and then she starts to come across the finish line, and as she's, this particular race, it goes around a stadium. Hannah's looking at me, she's, she's been there. And it goes around the stadium, and she comes in the stadium, and she's running kind of funny. And you know, like, runners are going fast. Like, she's going fast, but, like, it looks kind of funny. And I'm like, what is happening? So she gets all the way around to the finish line, crosses the finish line, and proceeds to just fall out. Completely lose consciousness. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, like, I'm running there. Her parents jump the fence. Like, the med people are coming. Like, we are absolutely, like, like girl just, like, drops. And she, I mean, this is, like, a peak athlete, was a gymnast, came over to cross country, like, absolutely in shape. She's been training for months and just crosses her first finish line of the season and drops. And I'm like, what? Because we have training for this, but like, this doesn't happen, y'all. And so I'm like, what on earth? Okay. So we're tending to her. We, she starts coming around. We're getting her IV fluids. Like, it is not a fun night. I have completely lost sight of the fact that my son is running a race, that there is another, like, I mean, I'm just focused and we're, we're keeping her together. And like, she's weeping, literally y'all. This, this child was like weeping in her dad's arms. And she was like, am I about to meet Jesus? Because she was so freaked out. And we're like, no, no, you're going to be okay. But like, I mean, it was that, it was that intense. So she starts to come around and we have like paramedics taking her to the hospital because we have to check this out, right? We don't just like say go home and hope for the best. Like we're, we're going to get her checked out. I'm like, okay, the situation's finally coming together. And then I, I see the guys start to enter the stadium and in third place is the fastest guy we've had at our school probably ever. And as he's coming around the corner, he starts to look funny. 
I kid you not, this really happened. He starts to look funny, and he starts, like, he's running clumpy. I cannot describe it any other way, but he's kind of, like, plodding. And so I'm, I'm on the ground with my, my girl that is just regaining consciousness, and watching him come towards me, and I got up and ran because he passed out on the finish line. And you guys, I, I promise, like, he eventually came around. They're both okay. They're both completely healthy in college. He's, like, literally running in college, so praise the Lord for that. But we went through the same ordeal that we just went through with her, with him. No idea. Completely different things happening with them. Completely different incidents. When one night, uh, two athletes drop on the finish line. And after we finally got him all together, it did not see my son finish his first high school race. <laughs> don't, I, I don't recollect it. He was... He just appeared. <laughs> and I was like, how'd it go? You know? And he's like, ah. you know, and, uh, you know, and he's like, I'm doing better than that. So like, you know, it's, it's okay. It didn't go his best the way he wanted, but he had perspective, praise the Lord. But like this happened. And, and so we get it all like cleaned up and like, we're packing up the tent, me and the guy's coach and the guy's coach, he, he's a little bit younger than Matt and I. And he just goes, like, 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 literally, there weren't words. And I, I think that was, like, the, the essence of, like, Jeremiah here a little bit. But, like, his city's been literally destroyed. Like, us, it was smaller than that. But he just goes, like, Jackie, what even was that? And I'm like, look, I don't know what that was. Like, it was the craziest thing that's ever happened. And it's one of those where you're just like, like, how? Like, how do we have this night? And, and Jeremiah's in this situation where he's like, like how do we get here like like God was saying I'm going to do the thing I was prophesying I was encouraging the people to turn from this and like this happened and sometimes we face those moments in life where we're like just how how are we here right so if you've ever felt that way or you find yourself feeling that way I encourage you the book of Lamentations is for you and we're not going to read all of it, though I encourage you, spring break is about to happen, take yourself 30 minutes, sit down with this book, it's only five chapters, like read through it and pray. I really think that it will actually end up blessing you. But I, So I encourage you to look at it. But what we need to know most from chapters 1 and 2 of Lamentations is they're focused on how broken things have become, right, just like the how, and also how holy God is. So it's focused on how broken things have become and how holy God is. Like we read, Lamentations 1.1 says, How lonely sits the city that was full of people. And Lamentations 2.1 says, How the Lord in his anger has set the daughter of Zion under a cloud. So Mark, I cannot say his last name, Vergorp, we're going to call him Mark V. Cool. Um, I can write it down if you want to look at his book later, but tonight he's Mark V offers these observations about Lamentations chapter 1 and 2 in his book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. He says three potential lessons emerge from the first two chapters of Lamentations. First, sin is the real problem. Sin is the real problem. All lament and suffering have their root in the fallen state of the world. Sorrow and pain owe their beginning to the rebellion against God's reign. Lament interprets all suffering through the lens of the Bible's understanding of the problem of sin in the world. 
So that does not mean that if we are lamenting a certain situation, we have necessarily been the cause of it through our own sin. Maybe, maybe not. But it does mean that like sin broke the world. And because we're living in a broken world, we have to deal with hardship and difficulty and brokenness. Okay. So sin's the real problem too. My sin and suffering are not the only problems. So a lot of times when we're in a really hard time, we become really focused on us. Like, why is this happening to me? How did I get here, right? And the first two chapters of Lamentations remind us that sin has affected more than just our individual experience. Our collective rebellion against God surfaces in our culture, our cities, and our natures. There are systemic problems within the fabric of our humanity that that can be traced to the fundamental brokenness in the world. And three, the thing we can learn is lament awakens the soul. It's one of the ways that our hearts become turned towards God's perspective. Because if we turn to God in prayer, if we just show up in the midst of hardship, we begin to turn our hearts towards God. And that really changes everything, right? Like we talked about a few weeks ago. So in these first two chapters of Lamentations, Jeremiah pours out his complaints to God. And when you read it, you'll see, dude is complaining. Like, he is complaining. And even this may be hard for us because so often we're told not to complain, right? Anybody been told, quit complaining? I think we can gather from this that we need to take our complaints to the right place. So it's not don't complain, but it's like take your complaint to the right place, which is God, and invite him into the situation so he can move us from complaint to something deeper. So we've talked about bringing our complaints. Now let's look at what it means to choose to trust. Now if we jump into Lamentations 3, so this is kind of a survey of the whole book, but this is where we're really going to dig in. It seems as if the continuing or the complaints are continuing. Because we see him say, I'm the man who has seen affliction. Like he's still complaining, right? But then the book starts to take this shift, and really, when we get to Lamentations verse 21 in chapter 3, there's like this shift. And this is what it says. Lamentations 3, 21 through 26 says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Y'all, these are some of the most hope-packed verses in the entirety of Scripture, and they're literally found in the middle of a book of complaints. But there's so much hope here, so much richness. We could probably literally talk about like just those five verses for weeks. But for the sake of tonight, we're going to focus on like a few things there, right? A few weeks ago, we talked about steadfast love and the word has said, which when we looked at the Psalms, remember it meant unfailing, unshakable, covenant love. So like this deep love. And we, we see these same words again. Right? And here Jeremiah is reflecting on that love and he says, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this faithful love. Like when I remember God's faithful, steadfast love, 
I dare to have hope. And then Jeremiah says, it never ceases, which in the Hebrew is lo tamam, which means it's not ever complete or finished. Right, God's love, it, it's never finished. It never runs out. Then he lists God's mercies that never come to an end, and they're fresh every morning. And this great God is faithful, which that word, that word literally means firmness, steadfastness, stability, fidelity. So when we say he's faithful, it means he is stable. We can trust in him. He's a firm foundation for our feet. By reflecting on who God is, Jeremiah is able to have hope in the middle of this really hard situation. And what does he mean by hope? The words here, have hope, you may not love this, okay? You may not love this, but literally, the Hebrew word is yachal, which means to wait, to hope, to wait expectantly, to stay, to tarry, to trust. So the idea here isn't just that he has hope and now it's all good and in the middle of all this bad, it's just, it's not anything. But it's more that in the middle of seeing all the destruction and sorrow, Jeremiah is looking at this faithful, merciful, loving God and realizing that he can wait and trust this God for restoration because he knows who God is. Because he knows who God is. And that's what enables him to not despair. It's not the circumstances that shift. Rather, it's Jeremiah trusting in a God who never shifts or changes. That can be trusted to be the same God that he has always been and will always be. Like the God that was speaking to him when he was prophesying is the same God in the midst of destruction. Is the same God who's going to bring hope and restoration in the future. He never changes. And so he's like, if you were faithful then, you're faithful now. Right? If you were loving then, you're loving now. I can trust you. Jeremiah is rehearsing what he knows to be true about God. And this is where his hope comes from. And Tim Keller says this. He says, we may hear our hearts say it's hopeless, but we should argue back. We should say, well, that depends what you were hoping in. Was that the right thing to put so much hope in? Right? So if we're in a place where our hearts are saying this is hopeless, uh, Pastor Tim Keller says we should argue back. Like literally we should preach to our own hearts and say like, is it hopeless? Well, maybe you were hoping in the wrong thing. Because the Bible says that God is steadfast and his love never ceases and he's faithful and his mercies are new every morning. And if that's true, I can have hope. And sometimes in the midst of really hard things, we need to preach to our own, our own souls, sometimes out loud. And we need to remind ourselves of the truth and the faithfulness of God. Because our hearts sometimes, they're exceedingly wicked, right? And, and they despair. And, the, and we have these ideas and we have to guard our hearts. Sometimes we think that means like guarding it from the world. Really, I think it means we don't let our heart out because there's a mess in there. I don't know about y'all. It's a mess in there. And so sometimes I have to be like, heart, stop it. God is faithful. His mercies are new every morning. I can trust him. Right? And we preach to our own selves. In the moments when life is hard or we're filled with grief or despair, our hearts just want to give up, and our hearts just want to give up, we need to fight back and remember who God is. Jeremiah is using his prayers to point to what, or rather who, he knows to be true 
in spite of what he sees. So Mark V, remember him? He offers four truths that come to light in Lamentations 3. First, God's mercies never end. So suffering of any kind may cause us to wonder if God is no longer merciful. But the promises we find in Lamentations 3 promise that God's love never ceases, even under dark clouds. In lament, we are honest with the struggles of life while also reminding ourselves that God never stops being God and his steadfast love never ends. He is sufficient. Therefore, our hope is not in a change of circumstances, but in the promises of a God who never stops being merciful. Two, waiting is not a waste. It's not a waste. There's value in living in the space between suffering and restoration. Waiting is one of the greatest applications of the Christian faith because you're putting your trust in God, placing your hope in him, and expressing confidence that he's in control even when you don't see the outcome yet. You're literally growing in your trust in God when you're waiting in the middle of hard circumstances. Like you're growing because you're being forced to to expand that trust when you don't see it yet. Three, the final word hasn't been spoken. So in verses 31 and 32 of Lamentations 3, it says, For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. These verses assure us that all suffering has limits and purpose, and that God's plan for us is full of compassion and full of steadfast love. At some point in the future, the final word will be spoken. God's going to intervene. And lament is one of the ways we can defiantly say, this is not over. In fact, the pain that causes lament can cause a longing for the future like none other. It can cause us to long for the future. It can cause us to look past our circumstance and be like, man, this is hard. But one day I'm going to live forever in heaven with King Jesus. And there's not going to be weeping or sorrow or pain, right? And we can hope in that and we can look towards that. And a lot of times when we're waiting and we're forced to trust God in those circumstances, that's when we begin to look past our circumstances to the promises we have that are like never ending and unshakable, right? And for God is always good. So Lamentations 3.33 says, For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of man. Or to put it in a simpler way, the New Living Translation says, For he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. This means that all of the destruction around Jeremiah, the leveling of Jerusalem and the temple, doesn't come from the heart of a God who enjoys his people's hardship. God isn't out there like, I want you to go through hard things because I want to I watch that. God doesn't delight in the pain of his children. Rather, there's loving purposes behind every tear. You just can't see what they are. You don't know the whole story of what God is doing. That doesn't mean it's not hard. It just means that that there's purpose and that God is doing something. Mark V said this, In our fear and confusion, lament leads us back to what we know to be true. Despite what I see, despite what I feel, God is good. Lament helps us to interpret pain through the lens of God's character and his ultimate mercy. The power of lament is the opportunity to express the sorrow we feel 
while also anchoring our hearts to the truth we believe. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. So we've talked about bringing our complaints and choosing to trust. So we bring our complaints to God. We choose to trust him. Where do we go from there? Right? Where do we go from there? From there, we search our hearts. Because lament and turning to God in prayer in the midst of hardship can be really helpful because it reveals the things on which we are placing too much hope that are not God. Hardship reveals idols. So Tim Keller in his book, Counterfeits God, says this. He defines an idol, which is helpful for us. He says, what is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. A counterfeit God is anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. So God can use grief and pain and sorrow to show us what's surfacing in our heart when we're going through these hard times. Sometimes that's the loss of security or comfort. Sometimes we've misplaced our trust in someone or something that's not the Lord. Sometimes we've idolized some leader or some position. Or sometimes we just assume that we have the blessing of God so nothing can happen to us. Like the, the whole like special snowflake effect, right? So it's like, I'm blessed, so nothing can happen. And sometimes we get there and we put our, ourselves in a place that that becomes an idol instead of trusting in God and being like, no, God is, is why I'm blessed. There's, there's nothing special about me, right? Whatever it may be, if you find yourself in a time of lament, let the Lord use that to reveal what he may be wanting to work on in your own heart. Right? Because a lot of times he reveals things in the midst of hardship. It's not like he wants us to go through the hardship, but he's like, well, if we're there, we can do some work, right? And we can grow closer. And we can, we can come out the other end. And if you're going to go through hard things, do you not want to come out the other end of it stronger and knowing God and, like, knowing your own heart more clearly? Yeah. Like, yeah. Might as well make your pain, like, work and, and help you become a better person, right? So after we bring our complaints and we choose to trust, we search our hearts, and then we can ask boldly. Lamentations ends with a hope-filled prayer. In 521, Jeremiah prays, Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. He's asking God for restoration. After all of these complaints, after the statement of trust, he's like, God, restore us. Restore us. When you take the time to read through the entire book, you'll see that the tone shifts after chapter 3. And then in chapters 4 and 5, Jeremiah is still offering complaints and asking God for help. But the tone has shifted to focus more on who God is in the midst of his grief and distress and less on just the complaints. Jeremiah continues to bring his complaints to God, but now he's asking from a place of trust. So it's like the situation didn't change, but trusting God caused him to pray differently because he's asking from a place of trust in God's faithfulness. And you guys, we would love to read likely at the end of this book. And then Jeremiah prayed and God answered and everything was restored and they lived happily after, ever after. I don't know about you guys, but that would make me super comfortable to read that at the end. And that's not how it ends. 
If you read through the book of Lamentations, it leaves us wondering what will come of Jeremiah's prayers. But that shouldn't leave us without hope. Rather, it should encourage us when we find ourselves in the middle of hardship, that we too can pray and ask the Lord to restore us and trust him as we wait on him to move. So to circle back, there's a pattern we see for lament in the book of Lamentations that we can make a part of our prayer life. And I encourage you guys to like write this down or you can take a picture or whatnot, but this is really helpful because you may not be in a hard time now, but I can guarantee you if you're human and you have a heart beating in your chest and flesh on your bones, you're gonna go through a hard time sometime. And so you wanna know how to connect with God in the middle of that, right? But so the first thing is keep turning to prayer. Second, bring your complaints because we really can bring them to God. Third, choose to trust him. Fourth, search your heart. And fifth, ask boldly. Because really after we've done all of that, we're out of position to ask boldly, trusting in God. And I encourage you next time you're facing, facing a hard time, try this. See how it helps you connect with God in the midst of your pain. I also want to use this outline to inform our response tonight. Where are you with God in the hard parts of your life? Right? Are you turning to him in prayer? Or are you avoiding him because you don't quite know how to come to him and tell him what's going on with you? Like, where are you as far as like coming to him? Right? Are you sharing your complaints with God? Are you being real or are you just stuck coming to God, pretending to be all together and, and look nice in his presence when really you just need to be honest with him? Are you choosing to trust? How is God challenging you to remember who he is in the midst of what's going on in your life right now? Are you choosing to trust him in the middle of that? Is God possibly challenging you to search your heart? Is there something that's taking his place in your life? And where is God challenging you to ask boldly? So we're going to spend some time in prayer, kind of using that outline to inform our prayers. And I wanna do something a little bit different. I'm gonna ask each of the staff to go to like a corner, so like one can, you don't have to go all the way up, but like one can be here, there, right? Kimber likes to look, she like was on the move. I love it, I love it. Um, so if you're in that place and you're saying, man, God, I need you to help me come turn you in prayer in the hard times because I just, things get hard and I just don't, I don't wanna. Right? If that's you, I encourage you, go stand by Matt. And he's going to pray over whoever comes to stand with him. So we're going to like all stand. And then you can listen and then you can go. Okay, This is like an active response. It'll be okay. I promise. If you move. It'll be okay. But yeah, so if you're at a place where you're like, God, I need you to help me to come turn you in prayer in the hard times. We're going to go to Matt. If you're in the place where you're saying, God, I need your help to teach me to bring my complaints and be real with you. I'm going to pray with y'all. I'll be up there as soon as, as soon as we move. Right. If you're in a place where you say, God, I need you to help me to trust you in the midst of what I'm facing. 
you can head towards Natalie, right? And if you're saying, God, I'm searching my heart and I need you to remove things that are taking your place, you're going to go to Kimber, right? So everybody understand who's who, and we're going to kind of have like just a little bit of time at prayer station. We're not going to ask you any embarrassing questions. We're just going to kind of like go, and I think it'd be helpful because we like see people that are working on similar things. Maybe we can continue to encourage each other. We just want to pray over you guys tonight.